to The Brighter Side of Education. I'm your host, Dr. Lisa Hassler, here to enlighten and brighten the classrooms in America through focused conversation on important topics in education. In each episode, I discuss problems we as teachers and parents are facing and what people are doing in their communities to fix it. What are the variables and how can we duplicate it to maximize student outcomes? In today's episode, we explore the connections between art and the natural world. How can art be used to enhance students' connection to nature, themselves, and the world? Children are spending less time in nature as technology continues to consume their time and interests. Because of this, students are not practicing sustainable lifestyles or local resources to care for the land. However, according to researchers, if students spend more time outdoors, they can gain creativity, reasoning, awareness, observational improvement, stress management, concentration, balance, immune health, and motor coordination. Educators have a unique opportunity to spend significant time with children and assist them in acquiring these critical skills and healthy experiences. Native American educator Gregory Cajetti describes the process of art making as making connections, participating in life, and that the artists in their environment are not separate from this process. Art helps the person grow internally while creating something tangible. Researcher Jenna Saulo believes that art is the tool that can reconnect people with nature. Her study brings attention to traditional indigenous approaches to education that focus on learning in relation to physical, social, physiological, and spiritual health. As an art educator, she believes that art has the unique capability to spark the magic, wonder, play, and curiosity needed. Jenna is joining me today to discuss art as a medium for teaching children about their environment. She teaches at Roots Nature and Leadership Academy. Welcome to the show, Jenna. Hi, thank you for having me. Can you tell us a bit about yourself and how you became interested in integrating environmental education with art? Yes. Well, I've always had a love for art since I can remember. I loved creating as a child. Um, I still do today, but my passion comes from like creative experiments. So I dabble around in all the mediums, kind of having fun, seeing what will happen and what ideas will work. And that's one of the reasons why I love teaching art is because it's like one big playful experiment with the kids. We get to explore all of the tools and mediums and really focus on creating for the process and not just for the product. So I try really hard to instill in students that it's about learning artistic behaviors and not about the result every single time. However, my inspiration comes from the natural world. So once I started teaching art, I realized that a lot of the students who lived in these urban inner city environments did not have a lot of experiences in the outdoors. So I started being that weird art teacher and like fully embodied the Miss Frizzle look. And oh, I love I, it. <laughs> yeah, I was like bringing in bags of leaves and plants and all kinds of things um, to the indoors. So really, every time I found something that the students were interested in regarding the outdoors, I would pair it to an art project. So if we were looking at the anatomy of mushrooms and learning about fungi, I might turn that into a printmaking lesson and then use like string to make the mycelium. Or if we were learning about soil layers, I could make that into a collage, mixed media, or a still life was becoming like a wildflower bouquet, but we were learning all of the species names. So really, I just kept combining my passion for art, my inspiration for the natural world and using art as a tool. And so I started doing lessons at local parks and at the our local farmer's market here so kids could come and learn about things in our area through this fun, creative way. 
my gosh, that sounds so fun. (laughs) I want to be in your class. (laughs) Yeah. So in 2021, you wrote Exploring Indigenous Wisdom to Cultivate a Connection to the Natural World Through Art Education, which gave you the unique ability to observe schools across the country. Can you discuss how incorporating Indigenous knowledge can empower art educators to foster curiosity, wonder, and investigation in their students? Yeah, this was my capstone project at the University of Florida which I'm very passionate about and still hope to expand upon the research soon. I observed various nature-based schools and also interviewed a few authors and artists who really helped me connect how to implement these indigenous concepts into the classroom. And one thing I found was that all the schools used thematic units. So they learned all the academics through these like student-centered projects. Usually that was involving their local ecosystem or adapting a sustainable skill. And art was weaved into the lessons and used to like drive their inquiry and their focus. So I found that learning also seemed to ebb and flow in this like concentric style, inward to themselves, outward to the community. And in some ways, I emphasize this in my classroom today is that we give five um, thematic units a school year. And I start by giving the students a few lessons on the subject, introducing them to the topic and the theme. But then I sort of become a guide and the student takes it from there. So the student starts asking questions from their interest within the subject, and I just kind of help them research and create. But really, they're so excited to learn and do this academic work because they're proud of it and they're interested in it. For example, one project we did last year was on cartography, so map making. And they started by like designing maps of their hearts and things that they love. And then they moved outward and they made a family map. Um, Then their homes, their neighborhoods, their state, their city. We Some went all the way out to like the earth and then outer space. And so they were continually wow. looking like inward and outward um, and they made these beautiful maps and then we turned them into books and they presented them. Yeah. And another was on herbs. So they learned how to garden. So they planted huh. all the herbs from seeds. They cooked them, they illustrated them, and they wrote about all their medicinal uses. So really seeing the ecology of this indigenous education tie into these lessons on traditional skills, seeing like symbolism in art, they were learning local plant and animals. And they were just inspired by it all. It was it was great. That bubbly curiosity was alive. And I think that's just the most important. I loved the pictures that you had in this study that showed um, children's journaling. And it was colorful and beautiful. Yes. And one of them that stuck um, out to me is a girl who had a month-long journal of her feelings and the different bottles and the colors of oh, that yes. emotion. That was so pretty. What can art educators learn from forest schools about introducing nature-based themes and ecological thinking? I think art educators can get rid of the fear of bringing the outside in if they are in a setting where it's not possible to always go outside. Um, If you're in a traditional school indoors, think about how you can combine your art lesson with other subjects. Yeah. So some, you know, like everyone wants to look at the famous paintings, or that might be a lesson you have to teach. Like if you looked at the Great Wave one time, you can turn that into a lesson on the ocean layers. Um, They might add their own touch and curiosity, what's underneath the wave, what animals are there, or like a Cezanne still life of fruit might turn into a tasting. So we're getting to use our senses, maybe you're making paint out of the fruit and the plants, (laughs) or like the Klimt tree of life can be into leaf and bark rubbing so more sensorial work and like learning about the native trees then you could even take a walk and tally them I think just making the 
art lessons like playful, using your senses, and applying all this local knowledge really makes it also engaging for the students as well. That's some good advice for, um, which leads into the next question, which was how can art educators in urban settings connect children with the natural world? I think you gave some good examples of that. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think that's like the most profound, the, the biggest question is how how can the urban setting like foster this for a school mindset? And I think the obvious answer is just go outside as much as possible. Like we all right. know the benefits of being outdoors. But unfortunately, for some that is limited, I'm lucky to be outside at Roots all day. But I think getting a child to want to go outside and investigate is the biggest the biggest it thing. is. Yeah. And if you can't get outside, bring it into yeah. <laughs> them, right? You know, by being able to have even like containers of, like you were saying, you're bringing in leaves mm-hmm. and soil <laughs> and bark and they can touch it. And I know like even in my classrooms when I was teaching first and second grade, I did that as well, where I would collect things or even have the children bring them in to say, we're going to be do- doing this unit on plants or leaves or soil. I want you to go out and and bring in some really interesting rocks and then we're going to identify what kind they are or, um, or soil. So you could feel all of them, you know, you could feel them Mm -hmm. from different places. And I used to collect them. So I had it one time we were doing a road trip and I was like, orange soil, pull over to the (laughs) side of the road. I went to Utah once and I brought it all back in little jars. That's exactly it. I was like, the children in Chicago haven't seen this. Pull over right now. You know, I was collecting sand on Siesta Key. And then I just remember that, you know, for soil, the children were like digging and playing in it and touching it. And they're like, this isn't real. Is this real? Where'd this come from? You know? Because it's so different. Yeah. That's exactly it. And then to be able to tie art into it the way you're you're talking about just brings it to the next level. What is a place-based curriculum? And could you provide some examples of place-based projects that can be implemented in the art room? I have two quotes that I just love that I think ties into it. Um, David Orr said that all education is environmental education. By what is included or excluded, we teach our students that they are apart from or a part of the natural world. And then Richard Love also said that every child needs nature, not just ones with parents who appreciate nature, not ones of certain economic class or culture or gender or set of abilities, every single child. And so I think those are so important because everyone like knows the issues, but you have to care. And so getting them to care and give children this opportunity to learn place-based curriculum is just so important. Like they begin to understand that they're one strand in the web of life when they get this knowledge. But place-based curriculum specifically is a concept that uses local community heritage opportunities and the local environment as a starting off point to teach all the language arts, mathematics, history, science, and other academics. So one thing we do every day in our class is we have a naturalist notebook. So every day we draw and label a new plant or animal or other things that we find or students may bring in like the rocks and stuff. And we also have a cabinet of curiosities, which is filled with like bones and shells and things, all the findings that we've collected and shells. And so in these naturalist notebooks, not only are they learning like to write and draw, but they're also noticing seasonal changes. Like it's helping them retain this knowledge by drawing it. I find that I think it builds more empathy and connection um, to the environment. And also the changes in Florida are so subtle. So it really helps us like see those cycles and understand them because yes. if you don't, if you're not really looking at them every day, you don't really see it. 
That's a good point. I love yeah. the cabinet of curiosities. I have yeah. a little a little shelf that I put a bunch of different science artifacts mm-hmm. and, you know, like bones and stuff like that and furs. Yeah. Now I'm going to call it that because yeah. that immediately makes it feel like it's Hogwarts and Exactly. It's super interesting. <laughs> it's like a little magical drawer then. It that does. Like, <laughs> so yes. what sustainable skills have you seen students develop using this approach and curriculum? I've seen a lot of students take on initiative in their learning, independence. They're learning these sustainable skills like earning and cooking, but also problem solving within that in their community. Like one example is last year, we did a mini farmer's market to learn entrepreneurship. So the students took everything they learned through the year and they brainstormed things that the community might need or want to buy. And so they made products themselves, signage, set up a booth. We had a pet booth where they sold a homemade dog treats and they grew catnip for cats. Oh, wow. Yeah, we had a baked good stand where they like picked herbs and made um, like butterfly pea lemonade, an art stand where they sold like paintings and necklaces they made out of shells and shark's teeth. We had a garden booth, um, an apothecary booth where they made like salves and spices and bath soaks. Students had to count the chain, sold everything, and they used those profits as right now they're building a chicken coop because they really wanted chickens. And so this year we'll do something really similar, except we'll call it a community compassion. And so they'll figure out um, a need in the community and donate all the profits then to that. And so they'll figure out, yeah, real life problem solving within their learning. Did I hear you right? Did you say butterfly pea lemonade? Yes, it's a flower. It's like a blue flower that glows on the vine. But it's really cool because when you add it with um, like a citrus, it turns it purple. So they love it. It's more like Hogwarts magic. That is magical. I mean, you're not like running around with containers collecting butterfly pee. I didn't even think they really did pee unless they overate. So you wrote, exposing children to as many connections in their current place is key to exposing them to how they affect their community and who they want to be within it. As we wrap up this episode, what advice can you give teachers and parents looking to introduce nature-based ideas and ecological thinking? I think exposing children to as many experiences as you can, giving them the opportunity to explore their innate sense of wonder is crucial. Children are curious, they're extremely capable, and if adults give them the tools and act as a guide rather than just an instructor, I think that that's key. My advice would just be to go outside, though, because the lessons will just come and there will be more than we could ever plan or ever give finding outside and see what inspires them or even you because I feel like the teacher has to be excited about what they're doing as well. You know, one time I was just so excited that I found a really cool shell and brought it in and it took us on a whole lesson on bivalves and gastropods or one time a student brought in tadpoles and so now we're studying the frog life cycle Or we have another student that's really passionate about um, butterflies. And so we learned about host plants and migration. And now we have like this little mini monarch conservatory going with milkweed. Nice. And so going beyond all this like wonderful knowledge, but also seeing how we can help our area and how tools were made from these items and just letting them just bubble out all these brilliant questions. They come, the questions that come from these little ones are amazing. And if we just take some time to listen to their questions, but also look at all the tiny magic, like in our own backyards and art can be there as the tool, as the creative tool that we can use to learn within. So 
So I guess have fun, get messy, and just be a forever student with them <laughs> alongside. Oh. That makes me think of, so two different stories. One time I was teaching first grade and a student brought in a praying mantis and mm-hmm. uh, in a jar and everyone was super excited. We put it in this container and everyone's looking at it and we were writing about it that day and we drew it and we were trying to learn more about it. And all of a sudden it started foaming and we're <laughs> like, what is it doing? So now we're all like watching yeah. the foam. We're like, what's coming out of it? And then it gets like, huge and then it got hard and um, we don't know what's going on. So we're trying to learn about it. So it became so interesting and curious. And then of course we found out it was the babies. And if we kept them in the classroom during the winter, they were going to hatch and infest (laughs) the school. So we had to get them out of the school. (laughs) But um, so that was interesting. And then one time we, uh, we had, while I was teaching second grade, there was this like big commotion and we found out that there was a snake in the principal's office. So <laughs> they called me and they said, Lisa, we think you're going to want this snake. And I was like, yeah, of course I want the snake. So I ran, got my big glass container. Um, it was like a fishing tank, some fish tank. Mm-hmm. With, okay. With a little grate on top. And it went running to the principal's office and the janitor caught it and threw it in the cage um, or in the container. We threw the lid on top of it and we went running back to the classroom and the kids were so mesmerized by the snake and before you knew it we had you know we were drawing the snake and we were trying to figure out what kind it was and uh, what does it normally eat and the kids are like yeah. let's, let's guess it's catch. measurement yeah right all kinds we're of- gonna like how what, how can we catch food for it and i was like you guys gotta catch food for it every day are you gonna <laughs> That's so funny. right and then I'm we like, have what? a snake that keeps going through our classroom too oh. and <laughs> i'm not a big fan but the kids love it but lately then a tortoise like moved in to where it was too so we're like yeah they're they're chasing this tortoise like throwing lettuce now every morning and right they get so excited about animals and so it's so easy for them to become interested in something when it naturally occurs even you don't even Mm -hmm. have to go looking for it um sometimes these events present themselves and then capitalizing on those moments to make them teachable moments the kids get so into it and you can just pull so many different subjects into it mathematics um you know you're researching so you're reading you're writing your art Mm -hmm. Um, it really it just becomes a life of its own so it really and then all the subjects are all there together naturally there's not like this math is right now and reading is later like we're all just doing it all at once and it's it's great Oh, well, Jenna, thank you so much for joining me today to discuss the wonderful ways art can be used to teach children about their environment and foster a sense of connection with the natural world. Oh, yes. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. To learn more, you can go to rootsacademysarasota.com. That's R-O-O-T-S-A-C-A-D-E-M-Y-S-A-R-S-O-T-A.com. The call to action is for educators of all subjects to use art to enhance students' connections to nature themselves and the world. If you have a story about what's working in your schools that you'd like to share, you can email me at drlisarichardsonhasler at gmail.com or visit my website at www.drlisarhasler.com and send me a message. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe and share it with a friend. The more people who know, the greater impact it will have. And if you find value to the content in this podcast, consider becoming a supporter by clicking on the supporter link in the show notes. It is the mission of this podcast to shine a light on the good in education so that it spreads, affecting positive change. 
So let's keep working together to find solutions that focus on our children's success. Mm-hmm.